I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Roy Vanwater. I'm Jade Meskill. And I'm Clayton Langlesigich. So we've got another fantastic hypothetical situation. <laughs> you may spot this in the wild. I don't know. We're just kind of talking about things that could potentially maybe happen someday to some teams. Say you had a czar of a department or a unit or a job function. Whether like, like a real Russian czar? Yeah, like a, an architect. <laughs> I'm a Marxist, sorry. Uh, you, you know, I, I think in the hypothetical situation, we would probably see this as being like an architect or maybe a designer of some kind. When I say designer, I mean the like chief of the companies, you know, the top guy. Or like the yeah, head programmer. The, 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 the head honcho, right? Yeah, like on the team, the, the, the technical lead or something. Well, no, not even that. Like above the okay, technical sure. lead, like the top of the food chain, right? And, and they have this stance that says the only thing that can be done can only go to production if I have approved it. So, so you're saying everything has to go through this so gal. So everything has to go through this gal. I mean, she is just, she is totally 100%, like, the design, every pixel has to be done by me. Or every single method has to be approved by me if we're writing code. Okay. Now, this person is works in a large organization, thousands of people, per se. And lo and behold, they can't go to every planning meeting. So the good news is they have some mini czars that they can send out to these planning meetings, and they can go to these planning meetings and, and help the developers and the designers uh, do things. Um, but then what happens is all sorts of decisions happen in a planning meeting, and when these mini czars come back to the, the, the big honcho, the big honcho says, nope, I don't like it. Uh, it needs to be this way. And now they go back to the team and have to tell the team, Sorry. Like, what does that look like? Like, what what happens? Like, how do we, how do how do you how do you fix that? Like, how do you rectify that situation? What what are the what are the so, downsides to that stuff? So, so first off, is there anything even wrong with that? Yeah, I'll take the the devil's advocate approach. So, like, the reason that all the design has to go through that one person is because uh, if you want to maintain a consistent brand experience for the end user, then you have to you can't just let people, especially developers who don't have any design sense, go off and do a bunch of crazy stuff. I mean, there's a bunch of awesome examples of where I've seen exactly that with uh, with Google. In fact, I've heard, Derek, you complain about this specifically, that Google has all of these products out there with totally different experiences that are totally not integrating because they're all being developed in isolation. Yeah, ever since their designs are Clado left, they, <laughs> they, they, they have not been on brand. I've seen this on the development side too, right, where you've got all these dumb programmers that we hired that you know are out there writing a bunch of crap, and if they could just do it like me, uh, everything would be so much better. Sure. Yeah, I mean, where do you think our technical debt comes from? Yeah. <laughs> Is that because we pay these people six figures to be morons? <laughs> yeah. The dumbest, highest-paid people we have. <laughs> But I mean, I, I kind of get that. Like the guy at the top, like his neck is on the line if, if shit goes south. So he wants to make sure that everything goes north, right? Yeah, and it's pretty scalable. I mean, they're able to ship a lot of production software this way. <laughs> right. Yeah, so but that's a trade-off, right? Like if you go through this bottleneck where one person has to approve everything, obviously everything goes very slowly and you don't ship very often. And you redo a lot. And you, Yeah, you probably there's a lot of re- rework. Because obviously the market's going to change, and you're going to have to go back and fix things and change your strategy. But theoretically, everything looks pretty good, and it's pretty close to being "quote unquote" perfect when it does ship. Well, I guess so, that depends on their value system, then, right? Is like, is your is do you value the ability to move fast, make changes, and respond to changing requirements in the changing world, or do you 
like, do you prefer to have a perfect experience? Because I, th- I could see value in both of those. Yeah, I mean, I think if, you know, a lot of people really applaud Apple and Steve Jobs and what he did, he certainly was not interested in shipping on a very tight schedule and going mm-hmm. very fast. He was, I think, much more concerned about shipping perfect products than he was shipping bad products more frequently. Right. Another example is like uh, like Rolls Royce or something where, like, I don't care if it has the latest and greatest features. So I, I, hold on. Let's be clear here. I'm not buying a Rolls Royce. <laughs> but, like, I could see, like, people don't really care about the latest and greatest features. Like, they care about every product being extremely high quality. And, like, I could see, I could, I don't know if they actually have this, but I could see them having a philosophy like the CEO, like, hand checks every single car before it leaves the factory because they insist on having that premium experience and that everything is perfect. Well, Apple's an interesting case because uh, they've shipped a lot of great hardware. They've shipped a lot of really poor software that is not consistent and not not very good. You've obviously used their online store before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I always have a tough time with the Apple comparison because I think that's the first one that people jump to. But I don't think they – no one ever really acknowledges the difference in hardware. Right. right? It's much harder to fix hardware once it's gone yeah, out the door. Yeah, so that's different. Um, you know, so I, th- I think that's something that we should clarify. So when I look at this hop- hypothetical situation, the, the thing that I think is the biggest – pain for me or the biggest thing that I see that people aren't talking about is what does it feel like being a team member who goes through a planning meeting with a group of people and comes up with a solution and an idea only to an hour later or a day later or two days later say, eh, what you're doing is really stupid and really dumb and this is the right way to do it. Throw away everything you've done and go do this other thing instead. What does that feel like as a, a team member, do you think? I can see two parts to that. For the First off, we talk a lot about autonomous teams and I would feel like as a team member, a, a large part of your autonomy gets taken away if somebody comes back and says, you have to do it my way. If it's taken from the standpoint of like, hey, have you considered these other options and they truly are better ideas? Like, I mean, if you follow the core commitments and you choose to uh, you, you choose to always seek to better an idea and to accept any idea no matter where it comes from, then that sounds like it'd only be a positive experience. But I think that how that interaction takes place and the attitude of both parties has a huge impact on how that's going to go down. I would feel like pretty useless and like my time was being wasted. Um, you know, I would probably not even bother attending. Or if I did attend, it would just be for show. Like, I would probably not even be paying attention. Because really, what difference does it make? Okay, but there's a difference. So, like, Clayton, if I came to you, like, let's say you plan on a Monday and I come to you on a Wednesday. And I say, like, hey, like, I saw what you guys planned out on Monday. And, like, have you considered these other possibilities? Would you have that same reaction? Um, if you said, had you considered these other possibilities? And, I, and we had some dialogue. Right. And then I said, mm, okay, let's talk about it next Monday. I sure. think that would be one thing. If you said put the brakes on and like really think hard about these other choices because you're doing them no matter what, like then I would kind of feel like what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like why did I waste that time? I can tell you what it's like to be on the other side of that because I've been that person. Uh, it sucks. You can't trust anybody and you're paranoid and you need to be – Just to be clear, which side are you talking about? The the person who's the bottleneck who oh, I see. Is, is changing – things for everybody uh, and insisting that your rules be followed yeah okay. <clears throat> and uh it, it's very it's a very crappy position to be in you don't sleep well you don't you know you don't you're not relaxed you're always stressed out because everything is going wrong around you all the time and you don't trust anybody and i think that's really where that's the core of the issue is you don't trust anybody 
And, and so I, I think in this particular hypothetical, there, there's also a middle person, and we've not talked about that middle person, right? So not only is the person that's doing the work probably leaving So you're talking about the Visar in this case. The Visar, right? <laughs> so the Visar goes into this thing thinking like, oh, I totally represent the attitudes and the patterns right. and the thinking of my boss. And we go in and I, I walk out thinking, oh, man, this is all going to be really good. And then I go back and they, they say like, well, why did you make this decision? And you're letting them do that and I can't believe that. And, and now not only do I have to feel like maybe my boss doesn't trust me, but now I have to go deliver that news to a whole group of people to say, hey, guys, even though I said that this was probably the right thing to do, as it turns out, the Grand Czar does not agree with me. Well, I mean, like, what does that kind of feel like? Well, you, like, lose face with the other people, right? Of, like, I know that I I told you that it was good or that we agreed that it was good, but it turns out that's not. So either I can play that off as, you know, the Czar guy's a real jerk and, like, man, what an asshole. Oh, I hate that guy, too. Or you would have to just kind of hope that people... Uh, aren't thinking that like, well, this person is really stupid. Like, they don't even get what the like. They don't understand what their boss wants. Like, man, I'm not going to bother asking their opinion anymore. Right. I mean, the boss is probably getting frustrated with them because they're not, they're not, they're coming back with ideas representing the team, and it's probably not what the boss wants in the first place. Because, I mean, the, they're never going to think the same way. So they're so this person's probably just getting shit on from both sides. So, so we've got the hypothetical. We've got some of maybe how it feels to be all of the roles in the hypothetical. How would you go about fixing it? So in my opinion, if you can figure out some way to have the team earn the czar's trust and rid the organization of the czar, not rid of the person but rid of the role, I think that will go a long way. There's plenty, like somebody like somebody who is insistent on all of these best practices or good coding styles or good design or whatever, they should be going out and championing all of those things and explaining why it's so important and, and uh, really convincing people and winning them over rather than telling them what to do. Yeah, a lot of times they do have uh, a lot of really great knowledge and, and sometimes even some special insight that other mm-hmm. people don't have. Um, but you're right, they should be going out and helping those other people to gain that skill and uh, also experience things from the other side of the fence, mm-hmm. right? The, the things that are changing during planning or the, re- the real complexities on the ground of dealing with this on the fly, those type of things, so that there's some empathy for what their people are going through while they're out there dealing with these situations. But I, I really think, it, again, it comes back to building trust with those people, right? That, that you, you believe that they are doing the best thing that they can Uh, It gets tough, though, when you set up a system like that in which you're like, well, I'm the one who's going to decide all the design. So, Clayton, don't even bother wasting time coming up with designs or whatever, right? Don't even bother coming up with the method definitions because I'm going to shoot it down and give my own implementation anyway. So now all of a sudden Clayton hates me. And uh, it's going to be really difficult for Clayton to earn my trust because he's going to be trying to like get away with as much as he can to please the people that are breathing down his neck. Uh, without uh, without like getting my ire, so he's going to be subverting me, which is going to cause me to trust him even less. Like that's just going to be a feedback loop. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think there are there are definitely cases where I, d- I think people get in this situation, like what Jade was describing, of like no trust, and I don't think most people would want to be in that. But I think there are some people who do enjoy the aspect of controlling everything, mm-hmm. and they want to be the hero, and they want to be like seen as the smartest guy in the room and all that stuff. So I would say that probably is a pretty big component in a lot of these cases. Um, 
you know, compared to like the person who really doesn't want it to be that way all the time, but it just like, oh, woe is me. It just happened to be that way. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some, there's some aspect to that. Like I think unwinding some of that desire for control where they don't feel like all of their kind of like self-worth at the, at their job is based on whether or not they got all the answers right all the time. Sure. You know, that, I think that could go a long way. Yeah, when I look at it, I, I mean, I, I think Steve Jobs might be a good example. I don't don't know, didn't know Steve, and it certainly didn't see see him work. But I, I me was, an old buddy Steve. Yeah, I, I think that if I were to I guess it, how he operated, he trusted his people because I don't think he could get the results he got without trusting them. I think what he wanted to control was the essence of the spirit of the products that were put out not necessarily how they were built. And so I think, to me, the difference is, you know, you come back from a planning meeting and I say, oh my God, you're doing all this stuff wrong and this is how you should have done it. I don't think that's how Steve operated. I think he probably operated in a, I'm going to let you do whatever and when you show it to me, if it's crap, I'm going to say it's crap and I'm not going to ship that and fuck you, go go do it right and when you get it right, we'll ship it. Until then, leave me alone, don't waste my time. Why did you call me to this fucking demo that sucks this bad? Which I think is very, very different than saying, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do every little thing. I might tell you at the demo to say, like, that, I'm not doing that, and I'd expect this. And, and I think that's a, a, a subtle difference, but I think that's very different than trying to control how everybody does their job. Instead of saying, here's the bar of expectation, and I, I'm going to make you live up to that, I'm not going to tell you how to live up to it. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and so, I mean, I, I don't know how... How do you get somebody to get to the point where they're allowed to let the essence of what their standard is hold, but not have total mistrust? I think there's there's some systemic problems in that as well. That there that person is probably being held accountable for those decisions by their people, right. uh, and so getting some uh, understanding put in place there is a big help. Right to to help their boss see that like they sh- they don't need to be held to that they need to be held to the standard of they're making everyone around them better and helping them achieve that essence and not being a control freak because usually usually it's people that don't want to do that it's they they end up in that situation because right. of some externality right fear usually yep. right? they're I wonder, afraid of something I wonder if people that are successful at it and manage to like climb their way to the top might not be the ones that enjoy it though. There, there are people that enjoy having that control, like Clayton said, and uh, those people might you might not be able to help them. Uh, right. All right. Yep. See you next month. <laughs> Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integrumtech.com slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.